Rugby League Back Chat is sponsored by TotalRL.com. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Rugby League Backchat. The playoffs are underway. We have that and much more to talk about this week with our panel, the Featherstone head coach, Ryan Carr, Huddersfield Giants player, Ollie Roberts, and off the interchange bench after a very late fitness test failed, we have League <laughs> Express editor, Martin Sadler. Gents, uh, welcome all. Loads to discuss. So let's fire straight in. We'll start with Super League. I want to talk about the championship eventually with Ryan because I'm sure he's going to uh, have a lot to say about Featherstone's success. But uh, Ollie. We've seen the first week, Warrington are out, we're going to one win away. We'll start with Warrington and Castleford. What a win for the Tigers. Did, did you see that coming? Uh, no, you don't have to fall after Warrington winning the Italian Cup and so they'd have bounced on and carried on the winning streak, but Cass pipped it, they did well. What, what do we make of Castleford? They're a, a funny team, They've, they seem to put a, a win together and then drop off again. Are they capable of going on and, and going further in this series now or not? Yeah, I'd like to think so. They carry on doing what they did against Warrington. They, they can beat any team. Uh, the forwards played unreal. So if they can keep rolling teams like that, I don't see why they can't not win. Martin, they, the, it has been the consistency thing with Castleford, hasn't it? But they, they were very good on Thursday night. But Yeah, and coming into um, playoff football, it's momentum that, that counts for a lot, I think. And, and they've got it now. You know, they they... I wasn't that surprised that they went to Warrington and, and, and won because I, I, I still think Warrington, you know, have had a massive hangover from the Challenge Cup, whatever people say. Um, there's, there's winning it and, and the glory of winning it and then celebrating it and then, you know, coming back down to the more sort of mundane mm -hmm. league matches and so on, um, which they've not done well in. And then coming into the playoffs... Um, with sort of, you know, a, a, a mixed record, really, mixed recent record. Mm. So it, it wasn't that surprising that they struggled to regain the form that they had earlier in the season, you know, while Castleford... I mean, the, the, the great thing about Castleford was that they went to Warrington with a lot of, you know, players in who haven't played much um, this season, a lot of injuries, but they were really... Sh I thought they showed tremendous commitment and determination and they hung on in that game, you know, even when Warrington looked as though they might come back mm -hmm. late on. I mean, I think if you'd been playing in that in, 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 in that game, Oliver, you'd have been really proud to, to get the win, wouldn't you? No, indeed, yeah. Great, great team spirit. Yeah. On Castleford Drive, I'm sure you've watched plenty of them. They've changed the team since they won the League Leader Shield in 2017. They were blistering, throwing the ball over the park. It's not the same now. What, what is it about them as a team right now that impresses you the most? Uh, I think I think particularly on the weekend, what stood out for me was their defensive effort. It was a real gritty win. Um, like like Martin said, they had to hang on there, and and it felt like they were probably could have lost it in many ways, but they found ways to win it. I thought um, defensively turning up on their try line. Um, probably the last probably month for them, they've had a real defensive turnaround. I could see that mindset change in them, and um, they're really getting into the grind and and wanting to complete their sets. And they've had a lot of change in positions, so full credit to them to mm -hmm. to be able to have such a shuffle in the back line and things like that, and be able to find ways to win. Well, yeah, because they, they've moved Rankin to fullback, Matauti to centre. They've changed with the halfbacks a bit. Ellis is coming late in the season. There has yeah. been a lot of change. How how hard is that to adapt to midway through a season? Oh, it's massive, mate. Uh, from a coaching point of view, um, to be able to get the for new bodies to, to pick up a position quickly is extremely hard, especially when you've only got five to seven days before your next game. So full credit to them. Um, each player that comes into that jersey has done a really good job for them and 
Um, yeah, Jordan Rankin's been really good at the back. Um, I think he's been magnificent, actually, yeah. Rankin, hasn't he? He, yeah. he really has shone yeah. in the last couple of games. I mean, it was interesting in that game that uh, poor old Blake Austin, you know, suffered a knee injury, had to leave the field at half time. But even before he got that injury, I thought Rankin was matching him, actually, running out of defence and, you know, taking high balls. And I, I, I just thought Rankin... I mean, Rankin, for me, has been a player that's been a bit underestimated in, since he's been in this country. And I, I thought against Warrington, he showed the sort of quality that he's got. Ollie, you've played with him. Are you surprised with how well he's playing at Castleford at the minute? No, I, for us, I thought he was brilliant for us when Rankin played. He were, jumped in that fourth position and he was really good at it. So from going there, he's, I think that team suits him as well. So he's fit straight in and, and pushed on even more. As for Warrington, another year, it's always their year, as they say. I mean, they've had the Challenge Cup, Martin, but they've they've not done it again in, in terms of the grand final. If you if you were reviewing their season now, does it go down as a success or not? Well, it has to go down as a... There are two major trophies in Rugby League, aren't there? The Challenge Cup and the Super League title. They've won one of them. So you can't really say it's not been a successful season, mm-hmm. can you, when, when they've had such a great win. The problem is that the, because the Challenge Cup is played, the, the final is played, and then there are three games still to play in the mm-hmm. Super League you know, regular season, it's very quickly forgotten about, really. And you, know, it, you, you get back into the grind. In the old days, um, going back many years, the, the Challenge Cup final and what used to be the championship final were played in all in successive weekends. Mm. So you didn't you didn't forget Losing, what you'd yeah. achieved. You know, this idea that um, we're going to move the Challenge Cup to July mm-hmm. might even actually r- reduce the you know glory of the Challenge Cup even more because it's completed too early. Um, so I'm I, I'm not sure that's the right move. But 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 Warrington they've had a great year. I mean, the really disappointing thing for Warrington actually on. Last Thursday night was the size of the crowd, you know, five thousand and odd. We'll go on probably to that about half, thing, yeah. probably about half their average for the year. That's Strange, that's a really yeah. worrying thing, I think. On on Warrington, Ryan, I'm sure you've watched a lot of them over the course of the year. Why has the form dropped off? Is is using the Challenge Cup too easy? Uh no, no. Having not been through it, I wouldn't be able to comment on that. But I think the loss of Blake Austin had a huge impact on on their season. Uh, obviously such an instrumental player for them and he had a, he had such an impact on the competition as soon as he came over here from Australia. And when they lost him, I just thought their form suffered slightly, whether that be because of him or not. I, you can't put it down to one player, I know, but um, it does have a huge impact, losing a, a key playmaker in the spine. Um, Ratchford was out too, you know, so they, they did well to get through periods without them, but I thought ultimately, not having that consistency in their spine, you know, would have made it tough on them. And and they, they play a lot of big games. They played they played the Challenge Cup and they've come from a lot of highs and it's and it's hard to stay up that high. So I wouldn't say it's been a failure. I think winning that trophy is a, a huge achievement for Steve Price and, and that crew. And um, I know they'd be disappointed, but they made it to the finals and the playoffs and they'll be looking to go again next year. Is Gareth Widdop the answer for them? Will he be the player that Takes them to the level. I think of you put him and Blake Austin together, and that's that's a that's a very dangerous combination. You wouldn't want to be defending that. So, I think having them, if they can keep them two on the field for the full year with Ratchford at the back and and Clark at, at hooker, then they could they would be starting the season as one of the top favourites. I reckon to win the cha- win the championship next year. I don't think many will disagree with that. As <laughs> no, for Wigan Salford, Ollie, cracking game, cracking game. Wigan prevailed as as they so often yeah. do. Inter- a lot of people talked about the intensity of that game. Was that the 
highest intensity game we've seen so far this year? Probably I'd say so. Wigan, Wigan. I always said it through the year. Wigan will bounce and they'll come. They'll come out. I know they always do. Mm-hmm. And again, they have. They've, they've shown up. How annoying is it with Wigan when you know you just know, don't you, that come August, come September, they will arrive. It must be. It must be frustrating as a, a opposition player knowing what's going to come. Yeah, it's this standard Wigan. You know, you know when I and John were there, our best mates of Johnny, he speaks to me. He said, "Don't worry, we'll, we'll be there. We'll be there." And again, they show up and they're always there. On, go on. I was going to say, Ollie. I mean, you've, we, we've all watched Wigan this year, and we've, we've watched these young guys coming through. Morgan Smithies, who, who created a new try score, uh, a, a new tackling record on uh, on Friday night with seventy-two tackles in a game, which just seems <laughs> utterly ridiculous to me. I don't, you know, I'm not sure how. I don't know. It's possible. I don't, I don't know, know how it's it? possible. No, <laughs> quite. But not just him. Partington, Liam Byrne, and, and a few others. They're all coming through, and their academy team has won the academy grand final again this year. And, and they tell me that you know they've got young young Hanley, Henry Hanley's son, is ready to burst through into the first team as well. They're, they're just a, a conveyor belt of talent at Wigan, and it's just an amazing setup, isn't it? You know, yeah. I mean, you're obviously trying to get the same thing at Huddersfield, aren't you, with a lot of young players? Yeah, we've got a good pool of young, young lads, the, the yeah, yeah. twins there and so on. But Wigan, I think it's a, it's a bigger area. The, mm. the other side of the border, the rugby league's massive over there. And the clubs like Warrington, St. Ellen's and Wigan. Mm. Uh, Wigan's youth system's always been renowned for being one of the best. Mm. So I think everyone, if you have an opportunity to go somewhere and Wigan come, everyone jumps at it. Mm. Ryan, if, if one of your players made 72 tackles in a game... <laughs> What, what would you be saying to him? Would you be telling him to tone it down or what? It's just an outrageous <laughs> amount of tackles to make. I'm not, I'm not big on stats, me personally, because I feel like if you if you start it up, people try and do too much work yeah, and they're yeah, trying to yeah. do other people's jobs. But look, that's a phenomenal number. I mean, nearly a tackle a minute is, I've never heard anything well, like it, that. It was so. over a tackle a minute because he went Oh, because he, he went, yeah, with time on the field. Minutes. So yeah, it's no, a huge tackle. Tackling for Salford as well. Yeah, <laughs> literally. It's crazy. It's impressive, yeah. Um, Martin, it, it, with regards to Wigan, they go to St Helens, and that's a mouth-watering game. Are they going to go the distance, Wigan? Everyone's tipping it now. Well, the thing about St Helens um, is that not too long ago, before the Challenge Cup final, everybody thought St Helens were virtually guaranteed to mm. win the competition. They've been so far ahead of everybody else. And yet Warrington beating them at Wembley must, I think, make everybody else think that you know there's a way to beat St Helens now. And, and certainly Wigan... Wigan have never been frightened of going to St Helens and, 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 and winning there. The, the only thing that gets me about Wigan, we all say Wigan rise to the occasion and know how to deal with these big games, but they do have these young guys who haven't done that before. You know, Young Smithers, Byrne, Partington and so on. They're, they're great young players, but they've not been in this situation of winning a trophy before mm-hmm. at, you know, in big games like the one at St Helens this Friday or, you know, even the the grand final at Old Trafford. So, I don't know, they, they will they freeze on the day? It's highly unlikely. History um, tells you not, doesn't it? History tells you not, but th- this is a, this is St. Helens' biggest game of the season, mm-hmm. this Friday. It's by far St. Helens' biggest game of the season, even bigger than Wembley in, in, in a way, because they've been so dominant and, and they, they've got to get to the grand final, haven't mm-hmm. they, to, to fulfil their season. And actually, not just that, but to fulfil... Justin Holbrook's role at St Helens. Yeah. He's been a tremendous coach, absolutely marvellous, but he's got to win a trophy. He, I mean, he really has to. He said, Ryan, I heard Justin Holbrook speak, that they have to win a trophy to go down as a great team. Is that is that fair? 
Oh yeah, I, I suppose you'd have to agree with it, wouldn't you? To, to be a great team, you'd, you'd want to have a trophy next to your name and being so dominant for the entire year this year, to not win a trophy, they wouldn't feel like, they feel like they let themselves down and mm -hmm. they wouldn't have, like looking at it, to be able to win that many games and win the league leaders by, by such a, a long way is impressive in its own feet. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, if you're in that camp, you would definitely treat this year as a, a missed opportunity if they didn't go and put it away and win the win the whole thing. Would it be a travesty if they didn't win a trophy, Ollie? Well, I guess after that season they've just had, then yeah, they've they've done everything right, just to like to go to the back end of the season and not be able to finish it off. So just mm -hmm. a bit worrying. Is it? Uh, yeah, uh, this is the thing. They haven't finished it off yet, have they? Under Holbrook, if no. if you were a player now, honestly, and you're in that team and they won't say it, they'll never admit it. <clears throat> would it be in the back of your mind that? We've been here three times and not got over the line. Going yeah, into the of course it'd be stuck there, it'd be stuck in your head that knowing that we're trying to break the duck really, it's there and you haven't completed it. We're in the same position again. Will it happen again? And how do we stop it from happening again? How do you stop it from happening? What do, what would you want your coach to be doing? Honestly, I wouldn't know. I haven't been in that situation let's, let's yet. Ask the coach then. <laughs> if you were just in home right now and you've got players who maybe are mentally just slightly concerned, what, how do you eradicate that? Just keep building their belief up and their confidence up and showing them what they've been doing. It's, it wouldn't be too hard to build that belief on the back of what they've done this year, but usually usually what, what I've seen in previous seasons is it's it'll come down to key moments in, in that big game and mm -hmm. if they're on the right side of it, I think they'll really run away with it and go on with it and put it to bed and everyone will just rise to the challenge. But if a few key moments don't go their way, that's when that doubt yeah. comes to the surface naturally. Yeah. And that's 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 going to be the key, I think. Just being on the right side of those big moments in those big games mm -hmm. to just run away with it or yeah. it could end up in a bit of a dogfight and that's when the doubt starts to come back. I was just going to say to, to, to Ollie, if, if, Ollie, if you were playing for Wigan this, this Friday, for example, would you be trying to instill some doubt into the minds of the St. Helens players. I know I'm off for Wigan know. instead of like Verb with African, they'll do it physically, yeah. deal with their back free and then yeah. just stop them making any metres and then they'll take their game away from them really. Yeah. We've given loads of love to Salford over the uh, over the season, but we haven't got too much time to talk about them now, but let's talk about them. Matt, they, they won't, or they shouldn't be too hurt by their performance on Friday. Well, if you looked at the um, stats of the game, they actually won the game on Friday. The, right. Most of the stats were in their favour. That's why Ryan doesn't Apart from the stuff. scoreboard. <laughs> yeah. Apart from the scoreboard. Yeah. Uh, but that last 10 minutes, Salford put immense pressure on Wigan and Wigan just kept them out. I thought mm. Wigan's defence was absolutely outstanding in that last yeah. 10 minutes. Yeah. I mean, there were six points in the game. If Salford had got over the line and kicked the goal, it would have been golden point, you know, mm. and who knows what would have happened then. So you've got to give credit to Wigan. They were tremendous, but so was Salford. And I would love to see Salford at Old Trafford, I've got to say. I, you know, I've got a soft spot for Salford, and I think it'd be great for Rugby League to have a new team in the, in, in the grand final. And I think they'd, you know, they took great support to Wigan. Yeah. And they've travelled well for weeks. They've travelled well yeah. for weeks. And they'd, I think you know, people are saying, would they fill Old Trafford? Well, I think they'd you know, go some way towards doing it. They they come they were on an eight match winning run before that one. How much will that have affected momentum though? Just just having a defeat, or will it not? Given the performance, yeah, I don't think it will, mate. Because the performance was really good. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like they they got beat off the park. I thought that was a really was a really strong performance by Wigan. Like Martin said, I thought defensively, guys like Hardacre and that the intensity that they defended the trial line with was yeah. was huge. And probably any other team that probably would have scored a couple of tries. Um, but just the way they play, they play really high percentage, they kick to the corners, they complete their sets and then 
someone like Jackson Hastings gets his hand on the ball and breaks the game open. So they've played very similar probably their last eight weeks when they went on that run, and yet they're still competitive. They're still either winning games or in them right to the death. So I don't think they'll, they'll lose much confidence. I think they'll be up for this week. Indeed. Well, it'll be a fascinating week indeed. That's all we've got time for in the first part of this week's show. After the break, we'll speak the championship, Featherston Rovers, and what's going on with the attendances. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the latest edition of Rugby League Back Chat. Gents, before the break, we're talking about Super League. Let's move on to the championship, but more specifically, Featherston Rovers, Ryan, you are flying another big win. Are you, are you surprising yourself at the moment with how well you're playing rather than the wins you're getting? Um, personally, no, just because I know these players and I'm, I'm so close to them and I see what they do every week, uh, training in and around, um, even when they're away from here, what the sacrifices they make. So I'm not surprised in, in how hard they're working and how well they're playing together. Um, but they're really pleased for them to be where they are. I mean, you had it tough when you came in. You came in, probably didn't know a lot of the players, if, if we're honest. You came in very late into the pre-season. Realistically, was it achievable to get to where you are two games from Super League in your eyes? Uh, well, I got here one week before round one, so we didn't really. Uh, 40, 46 <laughs> players later, here we are. Yeah. So it's been a, it's been a huge journey. Uh, we've had we've used something like twenty odd players that aren't our own throughout this season um, through loan and through your reg and different things, and uh, couldn't be prouder of each each and every one of them because they've they've all come in and, and played as hard as they can for the team and the club and. Um, yeah, probably wouldn't have back then, but um, in saying that, you always set out to do it, so why not? You spoke in the first part of the show about how hard it must have been for Castleford to move ranking to full-back mentality centre. You've had different players moving into different positions. I, I highly doubt you've played the same 17 back-to-back. Once, Once, just on the weekend, that was the first oh, right, time, okay. and then we picked up an injury, so we probably won't have it again. So, <laughs> how would... How on earth have you managed to do that and keep the cohesion? Because you're not playing boring rugby, with respect. You're yeah, playing high like intensity, play. quick rugby. Yeah, we like to move it around, mate. We've had 12 different sets of halves this year. <laughs> so when you sit back and look at it, it's, 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 it's proud for the team to be able to achieve what we have. But um, we've never used excuses. That's probably the key. We've always had accountability in this team and we always make sure that whoever comes in, we don't make excuses for it. It's life. You've got to get on with it. And... We find a way to try and win the next week. The thing that um, strikes me just watching your recent games is, is that you've, you've obviously got a tremendous team spirit among the players. And that's quite remarkable when you say you've used so many players, you've used loan players and dual registration players and so on and so forth. You've really, you know, got players from wherever you can get them, I guess. But to come up with the sort of team spirit you showed at York and, um, you know, in, 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 in the previous game at Lee. I think it's quite remarkable and you know all the guys who are actually registered with other clubs the Leeds contingent and so on they seem to have totally bought into you know the the the, the Featherstone culture here and the the fans have as well you took 1200 fans I think to yeah. York which is 1200 yeah 1200 quite tremendous fans came, yeah, you know the flat cappers what a what a great what a great bunch they are you know they, yeah. they you know they they're a group of fans with their own identity at Featherstone which I think is a tremendous thing, mm -hmm. and you know things. I, I, I'm pretty sure you'll take quite a few to to lose. Probably, I don't know if you'll take 1,200, but you'll no, take it's a you'll short take quite a number. For the fancy yet to Toulouse, and yeah, then Toronto. I mean, yeah. my goodness, you need to be a millionaire watching <laughs> you, <laughs> no, don't no. you? <laughs> it's, well, you've won two games, fantastic wins. You've now got to go to Toulouse, potentially to Toronto. How hard are these next two weeks going to be for you logistically? beyond what happens on the pitch. Yeah, 
it's tough, mate, because we're a part-time club, so a lot of players work and um, getting time off work for them is hard. So we try and, uh, as soon as the game was over on Sunday, we didn't know where we were going. We, <laughs> we started making plans then and we'll head over on Saturday morning and then we fly back on, on Monday and then I think we're to go through Bristol and bust it back up from Bristol because that was the flight we could get. So, and then if, if, we're, if we're fortunate enough to get the result that we, we set out for this weekend, then we'll probably be off to Toronto on Thursday or Friday. So, it's yeah, it's a, it's it's exciting. It's exciting for the players. Look, they work so hard in their job and at Rennet Footy. It's um, it's exciting that they get to go and do have experiences like this and and hopefully well, good understanding some, employers. I hope. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, families as well. Mate, yeah, yeah. It's, it is. It's it's a tough one. But um, coming back to what Martin spoke about with the team spirit, I know Ollie would probably back me up on this, but you just you got a good good people. When you got good people, they all buy in and they want to play together. And I suppose yeah, Ollie, the teams yeah. you've played in, are probably the best ones have probably had the most spirit yeah. as a group. Or? Yeah, massive. Yeah, and also as well, Dale Ferguson, Dan Smith. When they were you guys, they said nothing but good things. Said all the boys are bought and everyone's on the same page. So yeah. you're there to win and everyone enjoys it. Yeah. It's one thing that's impressed me, as we mentioned, I think Featherstone have maybe been known for being a little bit grubby, a little bit aggressive, maybe over the top sometimes. There's been no sign of that this year. I think in terms of penalty counts, you're one of the cleanest teams in the league. You're playing quick, exciting rugby. How have you been able to transition from that brand of rugby to the brand of rugby that you're playing now? Yeah, it hasn't been too difficult, mate, because I've got a pretty clear set of non-negotiables that I like to coach to. And What are they then, <laughs> if you can tell us? Yeah, look, just I, I like being disciplined. I like, I like playing the game the right way with, with good spirit and, um, you know, after the game, shaking the opposition's hand and, and thanking them for a really good game. I like to play it tough, but at the end of the day, if you're giving away penalties, you're just hurting yourself. You're not, mm-hmm. you're not hurting anyone but yourself, so... We like to play fast, although we probably haven't been able to play as fast as what we like to play in this competition, because sometimes other oppositions get away with it, and yeah. it's disappointing, I suppose. But when we, like on the weekend, I thought that it was officiated really well, and I thought it was a really open game in rugby league for both teams. Both teams were going end to end, and it's good to see. You're playing probably the two other quickest teams in the competition now. Does that suit you? Yeah, I think so. I think we've we've played both Toronto and Toulouse twice, both home and away, and there's been a, a score in all four games with, with us. So we've had really high competitive games against them. Um, they're really good defensively, and we like to pride ourselves on our defence. So um, yeah, we're, we're we're looking forward to it. It'll be exciting this week. He, on Toulouse, we we all watched them play Toronto, and Toronto were very very good. But Toulouse, how do you coach against them? They are the just. <laughs> There doesn't seem to be any structure whatsoever in what we do. <laughs> Unpredictable, yeah. It's going to be a great game, isn't yeah, it, yeah. this weekend, yeah. with Toulouse and Feathers and whoever wins. It's going to be terrific. I think, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a great fan of Mark Corrala, of course, and think as, as probably most people are. He, he, he just seems outstanding to me at full back. We were saying off, off air, he was poor on Sunday and he scored a hat trick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a big yeah. fan of Mark's, except this weekend. Yeah, um, yeah. And I'll be a fan again <laughs> after that. But no, they've got some good, some really good blokes there. They've got a really good squad. They've been together for, what, three or four years, that team. Yeah, yeah. So they've, they're full-time. They've, they've got it all. They've got all the makings there to be a really good team, and, and they're probably, that's what we're seeing. Martin, I'm going to ask you, Toronto, um, they've almost been forgotten a little bit because they won the league leaders so early. They've been playing half-strength teams for a couple of weeks out in Toronto, but any thought that they might go in undercut seemed to be emphatically dismissed. Well, it didn't Sunday. look like that, did it, on, on Sunday? Um, but, of course, they've now got another week off. Um, they've got the tremendous advantage of having the final being played at their home ground, which mm-hmm. strikes me as 
really odd, actually. But um, you know, that's those are the rules. So do they need so, to change, though? Well, I, I would say so. I mean, I don't know what you think about that. I mean, obviously, we've got Ryan here. If they win at Toulouse, it's just explained that you know they've they've got this trip to Toronto on Thursday next week. It it, it just seems crazy to me. I I would have liked to have seen the championship final at somewhere like Headingley, if I'm really honest about it. But um, mm. it, it wasn't to be, unfortunately. It would make your life easier if it were neutral then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it definitely would, mate. Um, Ollie, just to slightly move this on, it's obviously the first year since the qualifiers. Yeah. Um, with where you finished in the league, you would have been in that effort to continue this year. How difficult would it have been to navigate your way through that with the four teams, the top four that we had in the championship this year? Oh, it would have, have been a tough way through. Very well, especially the Toronto and there. I'm gonna say their field and stuff over there. It's different to uh, on this sort of stuff over here, so it's the they've got all the differences. Is it a have players been breathing a sigh of relief that the qualifiers aren't haven't been around? Oh, Has it been yeah. something that's been discussed a little bit? I think before, yeah, we said, listen, the, the middle eights they were awful because the boys are so hungry that are playing in the championship, they're, they're there for it, and it's more of a a worrying game for us. Uh, they, the championship boys are playing, they've got nothing to lose all to gain. Mm -hmm. For us, we've got so much to lose. Mm -hmm. So it's just a, a dogfight, really. Was the anxiety greater this year, you know, given the relegation battle? Was it even worse this year than it was last year under the qualifiers? Because at least with the qualifiers, you know, you, you had seven games against yeah. these other teams and you, you, you could plot a way to, you know, make sure you were safe. But, but with yeah. the relegation battle, you know, coming down to the last day, that must have been awful. Yeah, it, it, it were bad, um, and especially because sometimes your destiny is decided by another team as well. Exactly. Yeah. So your, your your game's in the hands of someone else, and which you yeah. don't want. You want to be putting it to bed yourself and yeah. um, worrying about that. Were, were Did the Liverpool players know by the way before the game ended that they were safe? I'm not sure. Catalan's. I don't think so. No, because yeah. the Catalan were winning all the way up to maybe three quarters of the way through, and the boys yeah, just managed yeah. to pip it at the end. Yeah, yeah. They made so. the decision not to tell you the score during the game, didn't they? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, which I. That must be terrifying, especially <laughs> when you're losing. Um, yeah. Ryan, just just to wrap this up, Toronto as a as a team, how difficult are they going to be to stop for for you or to lose whoever wins that game? Yeah, look, they they got quality everywhere, mate. Like world class quality too, not just like Super League quality. They got some Ricky Latelli's there from NRL, and he, he had a great game on the weekend. But they're a, they're a really well coached team. They're a good team. They they play well on their pitch, like Ollie said over there. Three G, you know, can, you can get a hot day over there, which we're not used to here. So, a lot of factors go into it. But full credit to them, losing only one game and getting to the grand final, mm -hmm. you deserve to be the favourites. Uh, they're a class team, but in saying that, it's it, it comes down to one 80 minute performance. So, if you if you looked all the way up until now, yeah, you'd probably everyone would be thinking them, which mm -hmm. they deserve. They've earned that. But um, it'll be it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to watch anyway. Yeah. Interesting, wasn't it, that they got the biggest crowd of the weekend? Nice well. segue because this is what we're going to talk about now. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Attendance were up in the championship. Yeah, yeah, they, absolutely. It was slightly up on what they got in the league game, York Fev. Toronto were the second highest crowd they've ever had. Yeah. Super League, far from it. Uh, disastrous, really. I'd go as far as well. Particularly disappointing at Warrington, but also at Wigan because Salford took a lot of fans yeah. to to Wigan. Um, and yet they still got below 10,000. Why did it happen? Well, because I don't think we know how to promote these fixtures, you know, in, in, in Super League in particular. You know, we, we, we had the Super League playoff launch on the Monday uh, last week, but it didn't really generate the sort of anticipation and enthusiasm 
that you might have hoped it would do. I think Robert Elston actually got distracted and, and got, was spent quite a bit of time answering questions about Toronto. I think on reflection, Robert might have been more sensible to have refused to answer any questions about Toronto. But surely, Martin, that's not a reason for <coughs> five and a half people rocking up to Warrington. Five and a half hours. Well, no, but I mean, w we need to get to the bottom of what the reason is, don't we? I mean, you know, it may be that the Warrington fans were just unhappy with the Warrington form. Mm. Who knows? Uh, Thursday nights, of course, is not a popular night for fans. That's another reason. I, I would love to see Thursday nights disappear from the broadcast schedules because uh, I just don't think it works on, on any level other than, you know, for, for Sky's if TV. If Sky audience. wants it, what do you do, though? Well, if Sky want it, and they're paying us £40 million a year, um, you know, if, uh, if Sky wanted um, to come and edit League Express and they were going to pay me £40 million a year, I think I might let them. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, ultimately the piper calls the tune, doesn't he? You've got to, you've got to admit that. You can't do without your broadcaster, and, and Sky do a great job for the game. So... You know their influence is, is is significant. The potential Toronto inclusion does raise a question about Thursday night, so doesn't it, Ryan? Because as you've have experienced already, logistically, that could be very very hard on turnarounds and so on and so forth. Yeah, if Toronto were to go up, the scheduling would be huge to make sure that Super League clubs can accommodate the flight. Like it's oh, it's eight hours, I think, there and back. So it's it's a big flight, and if you come home straight after the game, you you skip a night and you land the next morning in England. So. Uh, the effect it has on the players sort of through that week. Um, on both teams, Toronto have to do the same thing, so it's no direct advantage or anything like that. It's just making sure that... I'm sure they'll do a good job of that and they're thinking about that in, in the background. But, um, yeah, Thursday nights, I don't mind flicking on the footy on a Thursday night and being able to watch a game. No, it's great. From a fan's point of view, yeah. being able to get up for work the next morning, you can understand what Martin's, yeah. what Martin's saying there, yeah. Ollie, just on, on crowds... Why, why do you think they've been so far? From a player's perspective, the playoff games are the biggest games of the season. They should be the biggest crowds, but they're not. What, what's your I agree with the because with the promotion of it, there hasn't been anything. There's been no real change. Hmm. For a fan that's not, that doesn't pay too much attention to stuff, it doesn't, what's the difference between this game and a normal league game? Mm -hmm. and there's been no separation and no big... The only difference is it. they have to pay to get in yeah. if they're season ticket holders. So, does it purely come down to marketing? Or from your from your position, is it purely marketing or do we need to have more clarity on what these games mean? Uh, a bit of both, to be fair. But again, marketing, it, just how big they actually are and what they actually mean. Mm -hmm. from, from your perspective, this is an interesting one. We talk about the marketing, we don't show off the players enough and what they do, yada, yada. And it has improved on social media a little bit. But generally, do the players get the exposure that you think you should have and want to have? Uh, no, no. There's like a massive one for me, like Jack, Jack Nasins has come and he's promoted himself really well. And I think that's helped gain Salford some extra followers. Absolutely. Just from the person he is, what he's done now, he's promoted himself in the club. Uh, if the club had every Super League club had one or two of the players like that and the club pushed it and, and the other Super League pushed it. I remember before, uh, I don't know what I linked with like Charlie Chocton in the factory, like when Earl did his own thing pushing the adverts for stuff, pushing the skip and stuff, like each player from each club were on like, their own specialist mm -hmm. thing. So something like that were massive and it promoted it really well. So do players then need to be more proactive as well? Is it on the players a little bit to do do their own thing or not? Is it something the club should be driving them to do? It is, but I reckon it's on, on the club really um, because a, a player could bang out a lot of social media stuff, but it's what, what means and what's needed. Yeah. Um, the clubs hit the right stuff and hit the, the correct people that want to come, they'll pull numbers in easier. 
Right, interesting. Well, that's all we've got time for the latest part of this. And the final part of the show, we'll speak some of the transfer rumours and some of the other issues going on in the game. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the final part of this week's Rugby League Back Chat. Don't forget, you can join the conversation too on Twitter at RL Back Chat. Martin, I'm going to come to you first because we are rife in transfer speculation at this moment in time. The big one being Luke Gale to Leeds, Danny Richardson the other way. If anyone knows what's going on, it'll be you. So what is happening? Well, I think if anybody knows what's going on, it might be it might be Ryan because Ryan's obviously got an involvement with Leeds. But I think he's probably going to be. Not ask you, I think I think he's probably going to be a bit be a bit <laughs> stum on that way, one. Um, I mean, obviously, we all think Luke Gale is going to go to Headingley next season, <laughs> and Castleford are going to get a significant transfer fee and then make a move for Danny Richardson from St Helens. So you know that's that's what's been projected, isn't it? And um, it it may well happen. I I, I can certainly see. Um, you know the the logic of that move from all those clubs' points of view, um, and and actually it, it's it's quite a big move for Leeds because Luke has had real unfortunate, very unlucky injury problems over the last couple of years. Um, but you know I'd be very surprised if he still didn't have it in him to mm-hmm. really be a top player in, uh, in 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 Super League. And Leeds obviously want. I mean he's a tremendously creative player as far as I'm concerned. Great. Great kicking game, great passing game. He's, he's, he's you know, it's been so unfortunate for him. I feel so sorry for Luke. Uh, he won our Albert Goldthorpe medal three times, of course, in, in, in a row with his performances. So, you know, I, th- I, I think that will happen. And um, there'll be quite a good transfer fee for Castford to uh, invest as well, won't there? Do you make of it, Ollie, if that were to happen? I think it'd be a good move. I think Gilly is a fantastic player. He's you know, just like in being through with a couple of. Awful injuries, but if he bounces back from that, he's still the same player. Mm-hmm. You know, push on well. And again, Cass, gaining Danny Richardson, he's a very good player, young lad as well. And if Truman's there, them two paired together will be a, a good mix. The thought of Danny Richardson and Jake Truman together, Ryan, what, what's your take on that potential halfback pairing? Yeah, I think it's an interesting one. I think Truman's had a really good year, really strong year, and um, probably one of the standout young players in the competition. And then you you got someone like Danny Richardson, who's who's at one of the strongest clubs in in the country. So who's obviously done a good apprenticeship, and he's he's been had a fantastic year last year, and had a good year. Backed it up with a good year this year. So two young players on the up, and they're both hungry. So I think when they're hungry, they can achieve anything they want to achieve. And what does that do for Richie Myler though, Martin? Because surely, surely, surely they're not going to have. Well, it makes him available, doesn't it? If we're really honest about it, it makes him available to move elsewhere if he wanted to do so. I can't, I can't really see. And, and let's bear in mind also, <coughs> there's, there's young Callum McClelland on the up at Leeds and he's been outstanding for Featherston the last couple of games that I've seen him play. Um, I mean, Callum only played two or three times for Leeds during the season, I think twice in the Challenge Cup and once in Super League. And he was just not quite ready for, for that at that time. But I think on his recent form for Featherston, I mean, he's showing, I think, the, the sort of quality that we all thought he had. Yeah. And I think he's going to be a real contender at Leeds next year for, for a first-team place. So if they've got Louis, Gale and McClelland, then that doesn't leave that much room, I'm afraid, for Richie Myler. So, you know, I don't know what the situation will be, be for him, but I'm quite certain there will be other sides, that are other clubs that are looking for good halfbacks, and he's still a pretty good halfback. How talented is Callum McClelland, just gone 20? Yeah, he's, you forget he's so young, mate. I think he's, he's come through so quickly. 
that everyone forgets that how young he actually is, especially for the position he plays. Mm -hmm. But he's shown great maturity here at Fev. Um, he's, it's been good for his development to play against men here, and he, he's grabbed it with both hands, the opportunity he's had, and the boys love playing with him. He's tough, he's, he's not afraid to put his body on the line, and he's just one of those players that everyone wants to play with. So, mm -hmm. um, look, it's, it's always good to have competition for spots. I think you, the, the way that I view it is you've got to get out of the view of, oh, you've got two, two halfbacks and that's mm -hmm. it. You've got to create competition because you don't want people coming into a, an, an NRL, a, a Super League pre-season or whatever pre-season you're in, knowing that they've got their jersey. You want to make it a competition because that brings the best out in people. And, and if people aren't doing their job, then you can keep them accountable and put someone else on the field. But yeah. when when you so don't have that... It dictates that a little bit, though, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It certainly does. Yeah, you can't have four or five top shelf, you know, in the mm -hmm. same position, but... But you need players to cover for injury, apart from anything else. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So. It's vital. As for uh, another player who could be leaving Leeds, Ashton Colvin to Huddersfield. Oliver, come on, you, you must know more than any of us on this one. Uh, not that I've not heard much about it, but again, Nash's a good it's player. Lying, I'm telling you. I'm <laughs> he's, a good, he's a good player, seeing so him play him again for Fev and stuff like that. He's a really good player and uh, he'd be a good asset for us. Do, do you need a full-back? You've obviously tried a few people there as a, as a team and it's... Yeah, You've always gone to someone else. Is that a position you need to strengthen in? Yeah, I reckon so. We're looking like that's a Nivash is a one who fits in the bill for us, but we're, there, we're on the look for a fullback. Mm -hmm. Ryan is another player that you can tell us about because you've had him here for the for the majority of the year, really. Yeah, yeah. it's been it's been a tough transition for Ash, I suppose. He had such quick success when he was younger, coming through, starting fullback at Leeds and different things like that. But oh, I love him. Mate. He's I've got all got all the time in the world for Ash. He's a he's a fantastic bloke. He brings great energy to every training session, every game he plays in. He gives you 110%. Mm -hmm. um, smart footy player, throws everything into his rugby league and um, whatever his future holds, like I, I wish nothing but the best for you him. You think he's a Super League player, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like I think yeah. he's been a standout fullback in this in the championship. Just unlucky in a way that Jack Walker came through. Exactly, and around yeah. a similar age and yeah. sim like, yeah. both really good players. So opportunity is, is everything in rugby league. And then if he was to get an opportunity wherever that may be at Leeds or any other club, I've got full support for Ash and I back him 100%. I think you bring a lot of enthusiasm to whichever club he went to, you know, Huddersfield yeah, or, yeah. or anybody else. And uh, I think that's really important. On to Hull KR. They do need a halfback, Martin. They've got Jordan Abdul announced, mm. you Mikey Lewis, but they are light after that. Now, Harvey Levet's going in on yeah. loan. He can play halfback, but are they going to try and well, get I think he's a very talented it? player, Harvey Levet. And uh, I don't. Part of it, again, he's got this problem that a lot of young players have that are trying to break into a first team, but relying on injuries to other players to, you know, get in, and then not having a consistent place, you know, not having a consistent position. Uh, I'm not sure whether Harvey really wants to play it, uh, you know, in the halfbacks. He's, I mean, he's a big guy. He's certainly capable of playing in, you know, in the back row. Maybe lose forward is his best position, I would think. But but certainly he'll be a, a you know, a real major player for Hull KR, but I'm slightly surprised, if I'm really honest about it, that Hull KR have let Chris Atkin go to Salford, I believe he's going to. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I, I think Chris Atkin's been a pretty useful player for them, certainly a very useful squad member. Yeah. So, you know, the fact that they're letting him go, you know, it's their decision, obviously, but I thought they would have kept him. But, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I think he'll do well at, at Salford. There's Obviously, other bits and bats going on. Um, London are recruiting for the championship now, which is fine. I just want to talk generally, Ollie. You'll have seen the signings that everyone's been linked with and announced. 
who in terms of recruitment for 2020 has caught your eye so far in Super League? I'm going to go to probably Warrington signing uh, Widup. That I know it happened early on in the year, but that's going to be massive. Mm -hmm. He's that, that pairing, like I said before, is going to be something something unreal if it can hit off. What do you think, Martin? Is well, I think that's right. I think I think Widup and and Blake Austin playing together, hopefully injury-free, because they've both had injuries mm -hmm. this year, in, in fact. And, you know, I'm always slightly worried about players who have got a recent history of injury, because although it's unfortunate for them, you always worry that it might, you know, okay, happen yeah. again, of course. Um, I mean, I, I'll tell you one player who's, who's not been signed to a club um, and who doesn't suffer from that problem, and that is Ryan Hampshire at Wakefield, who's, I think, had a real good season for them at... at mainly at full-back, can also play in the half-backs. Mm -hmm. um, Ryan, um, unfortunately, uh, hasn't negotiated a new deal with Wakefield, and I think both sides have now pulled, out, pulled away from that. Yep. So he's potentially on the market. I think he's played in virtually, in, in virtually every single minute of every game, apart from the, the last game when he was sin-bin for about two minutes <laughs> at the end of the game. So he's got a remarkable record of consistency and not, yep. not being injured. And ultimately, at the end of the day, those sort of players, I, I actually do think, are really useful players to have in your squad. Where do you see him going, Ryan? There's, there's a lot of good fullbacks in the competition that float around. Everyone's got a fullback, haven't they? Over the Northfield, but yeah. if they got Golden. Yeah, it's it's a tough one because he won't want to go to somewhere and probably play second fiddle. He'd want mm. a starting spot. So it'll be interesting to see where he lands. But for me, I think I think the, the team that I'm interested to see next year is probably Wigan, to yeah. be honest, I think. Not only that Hastings has gone there, that's confirmed, isn't it? Yeah. So that's a huge signing for yeah, them. But massive. the young guys that they've got already, as opposed to the recruitment, is, is going to be George, George Burgess as well, obviously. Yeah, 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 George, and then you know the, the young the young middles there that are coming out of the pack, mm -hmm. and it's just going to be. I think they're just going to get better and better. Yeah. Just on the subject of Wigan, how do you think George Williams will go in the NRL? Yeah, it'd be interesting, actually, mate. I, I, I like the way he plays over here. I just. It'll be interesting to see how his style suits the NRL and, and who he pairs up with there, um, obviously at, at Canberra. So um, I, I, I always thought that there were the couple that they signed, that the Raiders signed this year, were, were going to go really well. Um, and they have, they've come through really well. Um, but yeah, Williams playing half is, Widdop's done it, obviously he transitioned over there at a young age and, and done a really good job. So. But he comes through the system as well in an NRL system, so it's a little bit different. It's just picking up and going over there. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to watch. And if he does really well, it'll just open the door for more and more people to, to keep to keep hopefully pushing for NRL jerseys, which is good for the game. Well, Britain's almost taking over the NRL at the minute. So, <laughs> I've got to say. Uh, they're all in the semi-finals playing each other, aren't they? Canberra versus South, yeah, it's so, a big, big game. How good have the English, certainly John Bateman, but... All of the English boys gone this year, in your opinion? Though. It's hard to pick one out who's not gone well, isn't it, really? Perhaps maybe George Burgess, actually, with his mm. lengthy suspension. Um, Sam's got, which, which got his own. own and, and Sam's got his own parking pass, hasn't issues. He? Yeah, <laughs> is it, Sam, Sam's, well, Sam's problem is he's very outspoken, isn't he? And uh, he, he made a, a comment about the judiciary over there that didn't go well. Is he? well Sam yeah. doesn't let him know his opinion, does he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you're a great friend of John Bateman. Uh, yeah, I keep in touch with John quite a bit. And, I mean, um, yeah, he, he must be having the time of his life. Over loves there. it, loves it. So it's a bit difficult with his family with his little girl. 
Millie travelling over and that, but he said the lifestyle and the rugby out there is unreal and she goes out every holiday that she can. And yeah. She well, loves it. Well, you can afford to take her out there, can't you? Yeah, yeah. of course you can. <laughs> Give us the inside detail on what, what he's made of the NRL. I'm sure you spoke a little bit about rugby. What, what's yeah, when, about I, when I spoke to John, John's just a, he's a freak. He's a, he looks like a, his legs look like twigs, but he's possibly the strongest player I've ever played against. Um, He's just probably one of the fittest players as well, and he's hungry, he's determined, and he's just a winner. Surprised to see him go as well as he did, or has is doing. Myself, no, I knew knew John going out there. He were gonna, he were gonna kill it. Where, mm. Whatever he did, I think he was that hungry when he were going. He were going to make a statement, and I think he, he's done that. But but you're right, actually. I mean, physically, he's not that big, is he? No, he's, no, he, he he's doesn't not. look. You know, if if he walked in the room, you wouldn't say, "My God, here's a." Here's a giant of a guy. Yeah. Well, he's, he's, he's not, only he's not a few years ago, he played in the World Cup and he was playing centre. Mm. And people were saying he's not good enough at this level to play centre because he's not big enough. Yeah, yeah. Which I know he's been playing in the back row, Ryan, but he surely dispelled that idea that he isn't big enough to yeah, play. Yeah, look, I, I'm a big fan of leg speed in the modern game. I think that the old, oh, I've got to be big and this and that, you can cover a lot up with your leg speed. You know, eight interchanges have been in Australia for a long time and it's just obviously come over here and the ability to play big minutes, being fit and being able to churn out line speed, kick pressure, kick chase, all those little effort areas that, that John does so well is just, um, I think that's, it really suits his game and I'm, I'm happy for him. It's been a good move for him. He's had a really good club there at the Raiders, a lot of good people, so yeah. it's been good for him. But he's incredibly strong, isn't he, as, as Oliver oh, yeah. says. You know, I don't want him to run at me. You know, <laughs> it, it, it just seems to be able to take on the line and burst through, through the, the first tacklers and, and offload. I mean, his, his offloading ability is quite incredible. Yeah, he's, he's, he's good. Can, you know, it, and, and, and they, they obviously have worked out very quickly how to play with him uh, at Canberra. And I think he's, you know, Probably their main man at the moment. Can, can they win it? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was fortunate enough to be able to work there last year at the Raiders, and they got a great blokes, great people, well coached. Ricky's a great coach. Mm. Um, very emotional coach, isn't he? Very, you know, he's, he wears his heart on his sleeve. Yeah, he does. But he, he just he just want he wants what's best for his players. That's why. Um, and mm. I know those those boys would speak highly of him because he cares so much about them. And um, yeah, it's a it's a great team and. I suppose they're down in their own little niche down there in Canberra, but mm -hmm. they've got a great, f great fan base, great everything. Really, like just uh, they're really good blokes there. So I'd be happy to see them win it. Ah, uh, the I mean, look, Canberra have been recruiting from the UK for a while now. Yep. Um, are more clubs looking more frequently at Super League now than maybe they were? Well, they in the should past. be. They should be. I mean, why should it be one way? Mm. Uh, people come over here all the time and NRL players are always getting looked at to come over here. It's only good for the game that the best players are playing in the premier competitions, whether it be here or in the NRL. Um, so it's good for the game and it, and it gives good opportunity to, to top end players over here to get looked at to go over there and vice versa. So Is it good for our game though that you know our top players are you know maybe heading over to, to the NRL? Oh, look, you could look at it one of two ways. I think if you were in, in John's shoes, you'd be happy you did it because obviously yeah. the attraction of the NRL is, is is such a heightened competition and, and Super League is in, in take nothing away from Super League, but for him to get to play on that on that stage and, and maybe earn a bit more money in terms of a bigger salary cap is, is good for those players. Whether, whether it's good for the game, well, that's a different argument, but for the best players in the in the world to be able to get the best out of their job and earn the highest money for their families, mm -hmm. you can't argue with that. How no. right, you can settle the debate for us. How big a gap is there in the difference between the two comps? Um, Go on, answer it. Be honest. Be honest. <laughs> Light years. As I see, you, you reckon, Ollie? Yeah. 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 When we played in, I played in the World Cup over there. We were there for a month. 
you turn on TV, BBC over there, they're running NRL. There's NRL talks and everything. And rugby is massive. It's like the be all and end all over there, which is this is for it's like the Premier League for over here for us. What about but got about ten seconds to summarise? Right? Well, look, it, to summarise it, like you get to watch every game in the NRL, and I come over yeah. here and I just want to watch footy every night. And I, when I don't get to watch it, I'm gonna be like, oh, I want to see that game, <laughs> or I want to see that game. So, look, mm. the speed of the game, the speed of the game. There, whether it be conditions because it's wet and cold here sometimes and it's a bit yeah. more hot and dry over there, I don't know. But the speed of the game, I've probably noticed is the difference. Not the physicality. People yeah. probably might be a little bit more physical over here. Right. But the speed at the which the game is played. Right, that's all we've got time for. Big thanks to everyone for watching and to our guests, Ryan, Martin and Ollie. That's all we've got time for this week. We'll be back for another edition next week. But for now, bye-bye. Rugby League Back Chat is sponsored by TotalRL.com.